On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Hi, ever wonder what it's like to face a 350-pound lineman who wants to smash you into the ground? I know what that feels like. Scott Mitchell here, and I want to tell you about my podcast, Helmets Off, where I talk about the pressures of being an NFL quarterback and some of the other pressures pro athletes face when the helmet is off. It's a podcast, and you can get it free on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and at kslsports.com. Yeah, I... I think a really good one would be my dad and my dad was you know he's he's the type of guy that was just consistent and steady and hardworking like his entire life and um he he was a really good example of that he 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 retired from he was a teacher he retired at in his early 60s from that and he um he, he wanted but he was a really energetic guy Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Joel Clark from... Kodiak Cakes. Joel, thanks for making time. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So for people who don't know Kodiak Cakes, besides uh, approaching $100 million in sales, can you tell us about you? Yeah. Yep. So Kodiak Cakes, we're mostly known as a high-protein whole-grain pancake mix. And it was actually my mom's recipe from forever ago when we were growing up that we took and turned into a mix and started selling it. I actually sold little homemade pancake mixes out of a red wagon when I was eight years old to the neighbors. And so that was kind of like, you know, that was like the original uh, start foundation of Kodiak Cakes. And then my older brother, John, took the took that recipe and turned it into a product in the mid-90s, asked me to help him start selling it. And then I took the company over in 1997 when I was um, a college student at the University of Utah. And uh, took it over and just bootstrapped for a lot of years and just stuck with it. And little by little, we started to make some good progress and grow. Yeah, that's great. Well, and it sounds like you've had a few fun things along the way, like Shark Tank and some other things. You want to tell us about a couple of highlights? Yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, speaking of Shark Tank, I'd say, so that aired in 2014 in April. And 2014 really was kind of an inflection year for us. I mean, before that, uh, we were we just kind of bootstrapped and bumbled along. We we started to get some pretty good growth a couple of years leading up to 2014. But when we we launched our we launched Power Cakes in 2014, that's our high protein version of our pancake mix, and that just immediately took off. So that went into Costco stores in January 2014, and it, it started it took off pretty immediately at Costco. Then we went on Shark Tank in April of 2014. And that just became this huge exposure bump for the brand. And and then two months later, we launched Power Cakes at Target. And that just took off. That became the immediately became the number one selling pancake mix at Target by twenty percent, you know, of the over the previous number one product. So it that just kind of really started to resonate with millennials 
and just grew our brand. It was it was it just really put us on the map and we've been able to keep the momentum since then. That's pretty awesome. So um, thinking about this, you know, I saw a quote that you're like a 20 year old startup. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but thinking about that mentality or the way that you approach things and, and the way you lead your organization, um, what is what is maybe one of your leadership philosophies or the way you do things around there? You know, for me, I really, I'm, I really am a relationships guy, and I know that um, you know even corporate alliance talks a lot about that. I, for me, it's like relationships are really the foundation of great business, and it's the foundation of everything because I think if you have really good relationships, people want to come to work, and then people want to work for you. They, they, if, when, when you really take time and build relationships and care about people, man, people just want to, they want to be there. They, they want to work. I just interviewed about half the people in the company. And then Cameron, who's my COO, he interviewed every, about half the people, every, you know, the other half of everyone in the company. We just kind of like, you want to interview everybody. We try to do that, try to connect with everybody often. And one of the things that we asked was, you know, what really motivates you and what drives you? And every, you know, most people's answers were the people that I work with. And so what that really meant to me was, you know, they value, everyone here values the relationships. It's like the foundation. And so, you know, if we can really, really focus on that and having solid um, interactions with each other, then, then you can, you can grow, you can do a lot of things from building, you know, with that foundation. So I'm interested in this phrase you use, take time. You know, um, we live in such a busy world and with their digital devices and everybody's always accessible. It only yeah. feels more busy and more busy. And especially leaders today talk about feeling overscheduled and, and there's all these things they know they should do, but they feel like they don't have time. Can mm -hmm. you talk about taking the time for that, even though you probably have a million other things you could do? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. One, one thing, a couple of things that I do. So I, I schedule meetings with, everyone in the company. So at least two or three meetings a week, I just meet with somebody. So I try to check in with everyone in the company, you know, two, at least, you know, a couple times a year at least, and, and have like a real, just a one-on-one -on -one conversation and just chat, ask them how they're doing and just talk to them and connect. And, you know, that, that obviously will, will get tougher and tougher as we get bigger and bigger. We're, we're still, you know, we're about 55 people in our company. And so we're, you know, we're at a, a, a place where we can do that, where I can do it. And it, it, it even is hard now. It's hard to, to make the time and to, but it's, but it is really to me, one of the most important things that I do because I really want to connect with everyone here and, and be available and help people feel like they can connect with me even as we grow. So it, I'm hoping to be able to do that as long as I possibly can. So I make time for that. There's one other thing I do, which is I keep a, I keep a spreadsheet <clears throat> and it basically what I do is I, in the spreadsheet, I track when I meet with everyone, when the last time I met with them was or connected really well. And then I take notes. I take notes about them and about their life and about, you know, who their significant other is, what things they like. And, um, and then I, you know, I, I write down, when did I show appreciation to that person? When was the last time I actually told them something about their job and what they're doing well and, and expressed appreciation for being here? So I think those are just a couple of things that I do that I think are, you know, really, really valuable that, that they take time, but they're, they're really, really worth the effort. So I'm, I'm interested in what you feel like the effect of actually tracking that is. I think, yeah, I mean, I think really the effect is when I feel like, I mean, my theory is when people feel connected to each other and 
um, to their leaders, they get motivated. And I think what we're really trying to do as leaders is we're trying to figure out how can, how can, what, why, what motivates people and how can we help with that process? And what I think, yes, pe people, there's a lot of factors and why, you know, why people get motivated. But to me, one of the biggest ones is the people and the relationships. That, that's what I kept hearing over and over is like, I work here because I love the people I work with and, and I, and I get to make a great contribution. You know, it's like the work you do is also incredibly motivating, but I think that's one of the biggest impacts is when people feel they, they, they always say that that's one thing they like about working here at Kodiak Cakes is they feel connected with everybody. They feel connected with leadership. And, you know, not only, you know, we, we try to be really transparent with people and help them to know the why we do things. And so I think, I think those are a lot, those are the real impact is that people get really motivated and they can give you more, you know, they, they want to work for someone they like, you know, or that they feel, at least that they feel like they have a relationship with. You know, that sounds so simple. Um, but <clears throat> But, you know, we've all had that, right? You think about when we have all had bosses that we actually liked and how much yeah. better work we gave them, right? Oh, my gosh, totally, totally. And I'm thinking, uh, I, yeah. well, I like your list idea because if you run down that list and you see a name that ha doesn't have an appreciation date on it anytime recently, you know, like yeah. it seems like that would be a trigger, kind of a prompt of like, man, am I on my A game for that? Yeah, and... Like, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't, I don't tell, you know, I don't really go around and tell everyone in the company, this is what I do. Cause you know, maybe that might feel less authentic to people, but I, I, I started to learn that, God, you know, I really need to be deliberate about it and they need to track it because otherwise it's kind of like what you were saying before. We, we think about all the things we need to do and, and we, we just don't get to them all. Right. And so I, I, I found myself thinking all the time about, man, I need to talk to this person. They, they did such a good job here. And then maybe I forget to tell them, or maybe it's like, you know, I, I think about how all the impact that people are making here. And if I don't tell them, then, you know, they may not, or, or if, you know, if we aren't as a company talking to each other and telling each other that, you know, if we appreciate what they're doing, you don't always know. And so you kind of need to hear it. It's nice to hear it, you know, and it's motivating. Sure. So I felt, so tracking it became just, you know, really, really important for me. Yeah. Well, it's obviously getting results with the kind of growth you guys are having and, and obviously leading certain categories. Um, for those of us not in your business, can you tell us some of the secrets, some of the things that you feel like maybe you wouldn't have learned any other way than doing what you've been doing for so long? Yeah. Um, I mean, so I guess some of the things that are, you know, some of the things I think I learned early on was this is going to take a lot longer than I ever anticipated. Like being an entrepreneur and trying to get a little business off the ground was simply going to take time. You know, we hear a lot about other, you know, we hear a lot about the kind of get lucky or get grow big fast stories. And those are exciting to read about. And they're, yeah, you, we all kind of wish it could happen to us in, in any career that we're in, right? No matter what we're doing. But I mean, what I learned is that God, early on, I, I had this reality check of, wow, this is going to take a while. Like I didn't have any capital to put into Kodiak Cakes. You know, we just bootstrapped it for so many years. And so I kind of, I had to be patient, and I think that was one of the things that um, was really hard for me in the beginning because when I first took the, this company over um, when I was in college, and it was tiny, but I really thought, oh, I can do this. I can build this thing. I can get this thing going really fast, and then you know, the reality check was, this is going to be a while, Joel. You're going to have to just get patient, and you're going to have to hang in there, and that was one of the hardest things for me was to, was to do that, and you know, I almost quit a lot of times, and I and I, you know, somehow was able to kind of hang in and, and keep going. 
But that I think is is one thing that that I learned that I think is is helpful. Is you, you need, we need to be patient. We all need to be patient, no matter what aspect of the career path that we're in, whether we're working for a great company or whether we're entrepreneurs or, or whatever we're doing. We have to be patient with ourselves, with other people, with our bosses, with our leaders, but be consistent. We have to be super consistent about what we do and, and persevere and be dedicated. And then we, you know, things happen. Doors open up. Yeah. Um, thinking of those, you know, those uh, traits you just listed. I mean, it's not like um, it's not like we haven't heard those before. But right. when you, it, it's interesting how going back to the basics is what we need, though. Like all our human frailties, yeah. you know, that when we get off track. Do you have anybody that you feel like you look up to when it comes to those traits, or you know, could be somebody you know, or just somebody you read about, or somebody that you feel like. Uh, you want to be more like in some of those ways? Yeah, I I think a really good one would be my dad. And <clears throat> my dad was, you know, he's the, he's the type of guy that was just consistent and steady and hardworking like his entire life. And um, he he was a really good example of that. He 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 retired from he was a teacher. He retired at in his early sixties from that. And he um, he, he wanted, but he was a really energetic guy. And so he, when I was, I quit, when I quit, I quit my job, I had a job right out of college for a while and I quit my job. I had been doing Kodiak cakes on the side for quite a few years. In 2004, I quit my job to go and do, finally to go do Kodiak cakes full time. And my dad, my dad was about 64 or 65 at the time. And he said, Hey, Joel, I'm going to, I'll have it if I help you. So he, he joined me at, yeah, he was 65 and he became an entrepreneur <laughs> at 65 and he worked for another five years and just hit it really hard. And he, I think he was a really good example to me of someone who just kept going and never let up in his, you know, his whole life. And, um, so, you know, and having new experiences and learning a new thing, a new industry. And the two of us had a great time. We worked together for almost four years. Um, and he was awesome. I mean, he was incredible great sales guy, really energetic. And the two of us just worked hard and, and started to create great momentum with, with Kodiak cake. So he, he'd definitely be one that I would look up to for those, those things. Yeah. When, when you think about this momentum and you yeah. talked about earlier that the product you, you really have appealed to this next generation, can you talk uh -huh. about your approach to marketing and, and growing the business? Yeah. A big, huge part of our marketing is social media driven. And so like, this is interesting. So yes, we are appealing to millennials like crazy. And, but if you would have come to me like five years ago and said, Hey, our college kids or people in their early twenties, are they, are they making pancakes? I'd have been like, yeah, I mean, a little bit, not a ton. You know, our demographic I think was a little older at the time. And when we launched with protein, it did become, you know, appealing for, for younger and younger demographics. And our social media, we almost started reacting to it a little bit. I mean, we always had a, a plan to to do social media and to build it, but it but but Power Cakes kind of went crazy on social media, and fitness groups and you know healthy eaters and people like that would start talking about it, and and so it sort it sort of started snowballing even on even without even without our even without us in a lot of ways. And so over time, we started to really take hold of that and to leverage that and start to build it. So now, I mean, we, we, we put a lot of effort into social media marketing. 
And then we do a lot of events, like a lot of event marketing for to get out there to sample product. Like we go to races, running races, you know, biking races, things like that, where we can find people that would love our product. And then we do um, we do quite a big, I guess, PR strategy. And that stems from just, you know, when, when I was just me running the company, had having no money for marketing, I used to do, I used to go around and do cooking segments on the news. And I, I would go and, you know, I'd drum up newspaper articles and this and that and blogs, you know, blog posts. And, and so, you know, anything we could do to be scrappy to get some coverage was awesome. And so that's kind of stuck with us. And so we, we still today have a really um, pretty big PR effort because it's a, it's a great way to stay scrappy and, and be creative and get some exposure without having to pay a whole bunch of money for it. So I think those are some big things that we do. I love it. So let's, let's dive into these a little bit. So yeah. events, you know, I love the idea of, you know, go to the watering hole where your ideal customer is yeah. hanging out already. Right. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, all of us who have run something before know that, that uh, plenty of events don't have a positive ROI. What does that balance yeah. beam look like? How do you guys make the decision, the, the go, no go decision for this is the event for us? Yeah, that is a, that's a great question because you're right. It it's pretty tough to it is pretty tough to really figure out an ROI because it's hard to go it's hard to track. Like, are these people actually going back to the store and picking up picking up a box of Kodiak cakes? And so we we do kind of go a little bit blind that way, and we are kind of going you know in some ways off of just anecdotal you know feedback that people go and they buy our products, and so that has always been a little bit of a struggle. The one thing that we do is we, I think that the main thing we do on, with event marketing is we, we try to come up with a cost per sample. And so we, I can't remember, I think we're, you know, around a dollar or something like that, where we try to keep, where we try to spend on an event. So if an event is going to be, if travel and everything makes the event well over that, then we may rethink that. So I think we've just refined like, okay, what, what's a decent cost and the the other thing that we do that plays into that is some events we can we don't have to show up at we can just provide product and it could go in a giveaway bag for example and so sometimes those can be pretty effective but where we can we like to be there we like to have our team there and we like to engage and interact with our customers and sample the product ourselves and we we just we feel like that those are really really powerful um, you know moments with with consumers so while we can't completely generate an ROI, we feel so far we feel that those events are are still really um, important. Well, and I mean, how many entrepreneurial decisions are are based on perfect data, right? It's oh my gosh, like, totally. It's like a whole life of taking a blind leap of faith, right? Um, <laughs> it's totally true. So thinking about your people and the folks that you bring to these events, um, what does onboarding look like for you guys? How do you how do you have a team that you know? When I bring these people to the event, our customers are going to have a positive experience with my team. We really, yeah, we spend a lot of time with that. And we look for people that are that are genuinely interested in what we sell, for example. So some of our best event marketers are people that really do care a lot about healthy eating, active lifestyles. We, we really try to determine, like, does this person fit our mission? And our, you know, our mission is about eat, you know inspiring people to eat healthier and live active lifestyles. And so, you know, it's pretty easy to, to determine if someone really does fit or believe in that mission. And so that would be step one is do they do that? Because then they can be authentic when they're there, right? 
Um, and then, you know, obviously the next step is, are they a people person? Do they like to talk to people and, and can they get out there and really just be warm and friendly and not be mechanical? Our brand, we really try to be, our brand is really about being just down to earth and friendly and, you know, approachable to anyone. Yet it is about being active and encouraging people to be active and eat better. And so, yeah, we, we really spend a lot of time on make, making sure people fit our mission, what we're doing. I love it. Well, I think this is a good place to end uh, part one of the interview. Um, one of my favorite questions we end with a lot is, uh, what's a piece of advice you would like to go back and give a younger version of yourself? <laughs> um, I think it, that, that one's probably an easy one for me. We talked a little bit about this, but it's be patient. It's, it's like that you've got to be patient. It's going to take longer than you think. <laughs> so hang in there. Because I think when we're young, we're we're you know, we're ready to roll. We want to see results fast. We want to we want to build something quickly, you know. And and it's really hard to be patient and to just deal with the fact that this is going to be a while. You're going to be living on nothing, like almost no money for quite a long time, and you're going to have to figure out how to get by. And so that's tough. And but it's like if you hear that and enough people tell you that, you're kind of like, well, I guess that's okay. Other people are doing that. I could do it too. I could, I could make it through, you know, so that, that's what I would, that's what I would say. Awesome. Okay. Everybody please uh, tune back in and catch part two of the interview here.